Welcome birders to Atu. My project called Birder Brain, the project where we explore the connection between birding and mental health and physical health as well, because it's all connected. Call it, but I think just giving yourself those times to connect to nature and getting that bit of peace will help you overall. I started birding for my mental health without even knowing. Hello birders, welcome to the Big Year Podcast. I'm going to do something very different for this episode, which is I'm not going to edit hardly anything because Peggy Sue and I, sorry, Kelly Sue and I are talking about mental health issues, challenges that people, and especially in this case, birders, have. And the idea is not to cut out the parts that are challenging to us. And in this case, you can even hear in my opening monologue that sometimes I have trouble getting words out because of different mental health challenges I have. And so Kelly Sue and I are going to discuss that in the following podcast. So bear with us when we go off on tangents where there might be some long pauses. I might take out a little bit of the longest pauses, but I'm not going to take out too much because I want you to understand what it's like to deal with these issues. And if you do have your own cognitive and mental challenges, that it's okay and we can talk about it. And if you need help, there's always people you can talk to and people that can definitely give you advice and make it feel more like it's actually okay. And take some of those challenges like OCD and ADHD and put them to use in your everyday birding life. Because all we're really after is success and the ability to get out there, enjoy the birds and enjoy everything life has to offer even when we have certain mental and cognitive challenges. Lots of people have, but don't necessarily want to admit. So, thank you for joining me. This was a quick intro, intro, and now let's talk to Kelly Sue, also known as Burger KS on the internets. Thanks and enjoy, and now it's recording. Welcome to the Big Year Podcast on the road, actually on the boardwalk in Rondeau Provincial Park where the last time I talked to Kelly Sue, Kelly Sue, did you get married or was that Peggy Sue? Uh, I got married a long time ago. Peggy Sue got, <laughs> I think Peggy Sue got married a lot long earlier than you yeah, did. Yeah, probably. Uh, and Kelly Sue is actually on her second episode, even though uh, as you listen to this, she hasn't actually been on yet, but she is going to be on. It's like going back in time. It's kind of, my brain doesn't, <laughs> get around that uh she was talking about her spark bird last time on the big year podcast on the road and it's appropriate that we're on the road again if not here prothonotary warblers and if we're really lucky maybe little baby prothonotary warblers will be flapping their wings asking for food and that's where we abandon the podcast <laughs> that's, that's right <laughs> he'll just listen to us going ah baby warblers. lots of editing will be happening that's right well sometimes leaving this funny stuff in is fun uh however uh we are here to talk about not big years even though this that's the title of the podcast but something uh i think is really important and that is birding with uh best point in recording Something was missing, and that was me talking about hurting with cognitive issues, and in my case, OCD, ADHD, and post-concussion syndrome. 
Kelly Sue is very knowledgeable on the subject, and let's get back to it. And open and talking about it, the fact that I've had it, but Kelly Sue has a very different take on it, and not only is she helping herself with birding in these circumstances, but she's helping a lot of other people. So I'm going to hand it off to you and uh, let you tell me all about it. Sure. So you're talking about my project called Birder Brain. Um, and it's a project where we explore the connection between birding and mental health and physical health as well, because it's all connected. Uh, and I talk a lot, obviously, about how I came to be a birder and how birding helps my mind be quiet and helps me concentrate and helps me be more present and mindful. And fascinating because I did not come into birding as a therapy for uh, my mental health issues, but after multiple concussions and finally after many years being diagnosed with uh, not only ADHD, which I kind of knew as a kid I had something, but all they called it was hyperactive back then and they didn't do anything about it. Uh, and then realizing that I have OCD and plus I have post-concussion syndrome. And what I've discovered is that being out birding is almost the only thing that I can do that does quiet my mind, that allows me to sort of relax and not have a hundred different things going on in my head. And when I'm at home, when I'm trying to do a project, I might have 10 of them happening all at the same time. And yet when I'm birding, it's the one thing. And how does that uh, translate into training your mind to handle the everyday stuff so when you are at home and you are working on a project how does that help you concentrate and focus on just everyday home projects and life in general i think home home things and life in general can still be really difficult but i think just giving yourself those times to connect to nature and getting that bit of peace will help you overall uh, so I find that it just gives me better coping skill, be calm and just make better decisions, I feel like. And one thing that uh, I practice, which is kind of weird because I see a gazillion uh, videos and articles about how to overcome procrastination. <laughs> and for me, that is, I think procrastination is a good thing taking time to just forget about whatever it is you're trying to make a decision about and whether it's birding or something else, what people don't realize about procrastination is all that stuff is still going on in your brain while you're doing this nice relaxing thing. And when you finally do get to the project or whatever it is that they would say you're procrastinating about, you're actually come up with a much better solution than if you, like you say, had just made the decision or done the thing on the spot under stress. Yeah, that could be true for sure. I think um, sometimes procrastination doesn't work in my favor, but a lot of the times with my ADHD that I can hyper-focus feels that, good. That's what I will do with uh, <laughs> uh, just 
even editing these podcasts, I have a podcast that I need to upload and publish on July 1st, and I'm only five minutes into a 45-minute podcast, but <laughs> as the wheels turn to my head, when I get home today and tomorrow, I will just sit and get it done. Uh, I think a lot of us with ADHD uh, probably were the ones that did our essays and school <laughs> projects uh, the night before. Test studying. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I never failed any of these things. I, I may not have got the A pluses, but I, no one, no one, no teacher that I ever handed in a book report for ever knew that I read the first chapter, the last chapter, the dust cover, and used Cole's notes <laughs> to write the essay. I, I never got, and I sat there with Cole's notes and wrote essays and book reports all the time and passed every one of them, got good grades, and not a single teacher ever figured out that uh, I cheated. <laughs> it is a skill. I don't know if I was as good at that skill as you. I used to take um, fiddle lessons. I played the fiddle. And every week I would refuse to practice. And then I practiced like nonstop for like an hour before my lesson. But every week my teacher was like, you didn't practice this week, did no, you? I'm like, oh, this isn't working you, you, had smarter, you had smarter teachers than I did. <laughs> maybe. Or else the fiddle is maybe, really difficult. Maybe because it was one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe teachers in the classroom don't really have the opportunity to notice exactly what everyone's up to but my teacher knew <laughs> so tell me about how just in general you go about your your birding life what is what is your philosophy of birding uh i know i'm a chaser and i know i've seen you on rare bird chases as well but i'm sure that is not the the highest priority for you as a birder what how do you see birding it's certainly not my key focus to chase and I, I the story I tell people is starting to have more of a detrimental effect on my mental health because I couldn't get out all the time I had I really started thinking about why I started birding in the first place and how it used to feel and how I and what was I doing when it felt nice like that how when it felt good and it felt like it was helping me and I really had to think about that for a while. And luckily, I was in um, trauma therapy at the time. And my therapists were able to help me work through that, too, and come to the conclusion that I started birding for my mental health without even knowing. Mm -hmm. And that's why it became an obsessive thing, because I felt good when I was out. So I really connected more with like a mindful birding approach where I was just practicing being present and practicing mindfulness and taking my time and your um, I, it was a real challenge at first for my ADHD to practice sitting in one seat 20 minutes, which is generally what I do now. I'll walk for a while, sit for 20 minutes, walk for a while, sit for 20 minutes, unless I'm really seeing a lot. But I was rewarded with watching just the coolest behaviors of our common birds or sometimes seeing something that wasn't as cool. That was really hard for me uh, when the calendar turned from 2022 to 2023 <laughs> because I spent a year on the road. So done an eBird list every day for five consecutive years. Yep. And it was a, ch a, a chore, but it, it was, I had to physically restrain myself from birding on January 1st. And once the streak ended, it was easier. It was like, oh, this is, this is nice. Now kind I have a relief. I, so I spent a lot of the days uh, taking some of your advice this year and just doing mindful birding. I 
have chased a number of rarities like the white wagtail uh, and sort of have with a few of the birds I didn't mm -hmm. see last year so I could get them. Mm -hmm. Let's hope that Limkin gets here soon. And uh, so I do find that it is such a relief to take that approach of mindful birding because birding has always quieted my mind. If I am in a stressful situation and I can't make a decision, I just said, well, I might as well just go birding. Even, I mean, there are times where you know going birding is the exact wrong thing to do and it's not going to solve a single problem. But in the long run, it's better for your mental health when you do have some of the uh, conditions that we have. Yeah. And, and so I think many other birders out there who don't realize and people with who do have mental health issues that don't realize that they can take up birding and it could literally change their lives. I mean, I've talked to people who have been through head trauma who said, oh yeah, you should, uh, you know, you should do crocheting or knitting. And, <laughs> and, uh, and we, we all, all of us that have laugh at the people who say, just go crocheting, just crochet when birding. And I can't think, you know, what other activity could you do that has all the components that can relax your mind, stimulate your mind, educate you, uh, get you out for exercise mm -hmm. and do it all because you're looking for a bird. Uh, yeah. There aren't a lot of things that can help you that much in the, in the mental health, uh, you know, pan 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 what's the word? Panoply. <laughs> I'm going to mess that word up. I'm going to edit this part out <laughs> in the, I got to I got to come up with the word the It's all right. I had, like lots of uh memory loss or word loss happens see, to me my, all the time. My word loss is uh and see this I think this is important to leave in yeah. because uh my word loss is nouns. <laughs> <laughs> if see you get me talking about anything that isn't connected to trying to remember specific things. Right. I never shut up. I have to, I tell people, just please tell me to shut up or interrupt me and just keep talking. It's the only way to get me to stop sometimes, which is why I love hosting podcast shows. I don't think I've heard a specific word loss like that before. So that's interesting because now that I'm thinking about it, I think mine, but sometimes some, he comes up with it though. And I'm like really impressed. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> Sue, Sue is frustrated by the fact that a, uh, I start conversations in the middle that I've already had in my head. I do the same thing. Uh, and <laughs> what are you talking about? It's like, it's like well, what do you mean you didn't hear inside my head yeah. two minutes ago? I've been ranting for five minutes now. You didn't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> and I will not be able to say the word. And she'll be like, well, how do you, how am I supposed to know what the word is? It's like, because of the context I'm telling you it in. And, you know, you have to, the spouse has to, uh, give you a little bit of leeway but you also have to give the spouse leeway for not reading your mind reading your mind and accepting that <laughs> yes maybe there's a reason why she doesn't understand you so it is a it is a dynamic between couples especially that can make it very difficult to understand each other mm -hmm. and one of the things that works for us though is guess what Birding. birding, birding. We go out birding, and 
the hardest thing we have to communicate about is when it, the bird is in the tree, it's like, what tree? Well, that tree. Well, yeah, but there's six trees. Yeah, but that's every birder goes through that uh, conversation. So, so that, that, that normalizes our relationship. Now, I don't know how much you go birding with your spouse or your kids. Uh, how is that uh, either part of your life or part of the, your life that you need to get away from? Uh, my husband and my son are very introverted indoors people. I can get them out occasionally, so that's mm. always nice. It's just getting them out can be a struggle sometimes. Now that my son is a bit older and my husband's working from home, uh, he will come on walks with me now, and he does enjoy birding. He's not obsessed like me, but, you know, show him some black and orange birds, and he gets pretty excited. It's his favorite. The Oriole uh, was... Basically because when I was a kid, the Baltimore Orioles were my favorite baseball team. And when I started birding, I knew that they were Baltimore Orioles, uh, Cardinals, and Blue Jays, and uh, regular sparrows. That was my right. favorite thing was, well, aren't those just regular sparrows? <laughs> no, it, we had a Vesper sparrow in the yard. <laughs> well, I thought that's just one of the regular sparrows. No, when you have a Vesper sparrow in your yard in... In suburban Toronto that's a good thing <laughs> that's a rare that's a rare bird and that never even occurred to me in the first 10 or so years of our relationship that that be such mm -hmm. to start to getting into birding with her uh could be so helpful for my mental health and just my ability to learn something and focus on something i think since we set up uh, a lot of feeding and and water things in the backyard for the birds birding than I am like he'll sit there all day and be like what's the birds do well he'll text me when I'm out doing something else like I'll be out birding in nature and he'll be like guess what just came to the feeder and what it's doing and I just think it's so funny like he's getting pretty good at uh, recognizing and I think for me it's a bit of a mix like sometimes I want to get away from things and go out alone and I need that time and sometimes I want to meet up with people who still have somebody that matches you in the energy of your excitement well and that's the thing I can uh uh I will I always ask Sue if she wants to come out and go birding with me. And I am never disappointed when she wants to come along because I know I'm going to get as much uh, thing that uh, you've probably encountered some people with. I don't know if it's uh, an issue with yourself. Uh, one of the things I learned about myself that explained my entire previous life was that I have social anxiety disorder. I knew that I hated to be in groups. I didn't, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that if I had to do something in front of the family as a kid, I would get stomach cramps and have to run off to the bathroom mm -hmm. and wouldn't come back until, but the end, but these were serious, these were real cramps. I wasn't just running off and these caused actual, social anxiety can cause actual physical, mm -hmm. uh, Sounds health like issues in your body yeah. and having been uh, diagnosed with uh, irritable anxiety issues are like the thing that triggers it the most. And one of the things I've noticed about birding is that you can have a conversation. You don't have to ask how they're doing or, you know, what, what have you been up to? You just can stand there, look at a few birds and then say, gotta go or in fact, with birding, you can just literally 
turn around and walk away mm-hmm. and not a single other birder will think that you've been rude. And I can't think of any other situation, uh, whether it's out playing a sport <laughs> or dog walking, that someone would uh, not be offended that you didn't even ask how their day was going or and you just turned around and walked away. Uh, have you? What have you um, experienced in that part of uh, do, with some of the burgers that you've encountered or yourself? I do have generalized anxiety disorder. Um, and same with you that I would call myself an introverted extrovert. People always assume I'm very extroverted because I am very talkative, especially if you're meeting me out birding because then we ta- don't generally get to talk to people about. So mm-hmm. when I come across that person, I'm usually more talkative. So I don't enjoy going on big birding walks. I like leading them, but I don't love joining them so much. Um, But same as you, if I come across a group of people birding, I can be energized by that. But sometimes if I'm really not in the mood, I'm happy to just walk on by. And like you said, nobody really thinks much of it. Like in general, I think um, a lot of we are. Mm -hmm. And they may not know that's why they've come to birding, but if, if they looked at it, they might see that. And that's, um, that's what I did. I looked back yeah. after my last uh, appointment with my neurologist and they put me on some of these medications <laughs> and I was able to go look back at my entire, if you're six years old, you're going to get quickly diagnosed and quickly put into whatever programs as my son was. He was put into mm-hmm. a special uh, program so that he could graduate from high school and is one of the smartest people I've ever met. You said, uh, you know, you don't like going on bird walks, but you like leading bird walks. The Every th- part of my life that I've noticed uh, is that I don't want to be just a part of a group, but I can, I can host a podcast, but I wouldn't <laughs> want to be a guest on a podcast. I can, I was a magician for 40 years because I was the person up at the front of the group. Uh, I, uh, have volunteered in schools and led nature walks for kids in schools done projects for me it's not a social activity for me it's all you people are over there and i'm over here and i it's actually a symptom of this it is a symptom of anxiety for sure (laughs) (laughs) that you just don't want anybody to get a word in edgewise and i have to a lot of times when i'm editing the podcast I cut out a lot of what I say and let the podcast focus on the person talking to oh, yes. <laughs> uh, because I just realize how much I'm going on and on and on. Uh, is, and, and in this case, in this particular podcast, I think that's important for people who oh, we are uh, witnessing part of the whole uh, ADHD <laughs> thing because... I'm trying to well, flick ants off the rail and they're okay, While we're sitting here... Ninety percent of our attention is actually not on the conversation, but our eyes are all up in the trees and looking beyond us. I was uh, talking to someone yesterday, and while we were talking, he was watching the hummingbird that was coming to my feeder behind my head, and I was like, "Oh, there's a great blue heron flying over," <laughs> and we literally can't not look for birds. I, I talked to someone a few years ago. Uh, you know, he said. I said, you know, when, and he said, I'm birding the moment I walk out my front door. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, that's true. You you can't because you almost drove off the road because you're looking to see if it was a red shoulder or a red tailed hawk. I'll be talking to like people. We're not talking about birds at all. And I'm not birding. It just random people I could be speaking to for any reason. 
and I'll be in the middle of a conversation and I'll just ID the bird that flies by and then keep talking. And then I'm like, that's probably not normal. <laughs> I'm like, oh, look, there it goes. And I'm like, oh, sorry. I'm like, yeah, it's a turkey vulture right now, actually. But um, yeah, I've, I've done that many times. And even at my therapist's office, like there was often, well, not necessarily, like I hear the conversation happening and I'm listening, but it's easier for me to listen when I'm looking all around. And Sue uh, says, you know, you might be a better driver if you weren't looking out the left window all the time. <laughs> and and it's because I'm that's the easiest window to look out to see if there's a bird on a wire. Yeah, uh, I worry about that sometimes. I really try to like focus. It's hard because I am always kind of scanned side of the road. Because you never know <laughs> when a rare owl or a northern hawk owl. Because everybody, every time a northern hawk owl is reported, it's because someone was looking out their window while they were driving. Look, one time I drove an hour away from where I lived in New Brunswick to see a northern hawk owl. It was a lifer. It was an eruption year. So I drove. I spent like 45 minutes, an hour on the side of the road looking at this bird. And then I drove home because it was getting dark and the sun was setting. And I was driving an, a, closer to my house, so about an hour away from where that hawk owl was. And out of the corner of my eye across the road, I saw an owl in a tree, which never happens, like just on the top of a tiny little pine tree. And I was like, oh, you've got a, oh, you've got a friend. <laughs> so, what was that? that was, <laughs> just that a dragonfly was, of some sort. Just landed were, on my shoulder. That was uh, a pair of uh, dragonflies in a um, mating uh, uh, throws I have on, a great, your, on I have your shoulder. A, I have a great mating shoulder, I've been told. <laughs> yes, um, that's, 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 and listeners, good luck following these conversations. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I was driving back across the causeway and I saw this owl on, on um, the tree and I was like, I hope it's a different owl because I hadn't seen a lot of owls at that point. I was still a fairly new birder. And I pulled over to the side of the road and called my birding mentor at the time and I said, Roger, I just found another hawk owl and he's like no you didn't he's like because he was he was like you're a new bird or there's no way and I'm like but I can tell pictures when you get home I'm like okay and I sent him pictures he's like why wow, you actually did see another northern hawk owl that's amazing so I'm like that warrants a tattoo so I well, that ended with this tattoo with the date that I did that December 26 in 2012 so it's actually very cold as well because mm -hmm. it's the middle of winter but I got some really great photos of this owl with the moon behind it it was a little blurry because it was dark but I but um, yeah, it was it was pretty funny. You do miss things if you don't scan the road. Yeah. So you just <laughs> you, have to do it safely. You also <laughs> miss the car that slams on its brake in front of you sometimes, and yeah. scare scare your spouse in the passenger seat. And yet she still lets me drive. I don't think I've had a near accident. I've never had an accident from birding. I, I think more I, my accidents have been from just making random right turns and <laughs> missing something. And and yet I was totally paying attention to the road. And that's where I've gotten some of my concussion. I have another concussion, which yep. is, you know, that every time you hit your head, there's a better chance of hitting your head again. And the mm -hmm. uh, situation, a lot of people don't realize that some of their, what they think are just PCS. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what PCS was and why the football players were suing the league. And yep. uh, players would get knocked out and they continue playing in the game mm -hmm. uh, and pretend is you can get back to playing but the additional concussions that these players sometimes get mm -hmm. uh, is cumulative and I didn't know that and the fact that I could be diagnosed with that be treated for it and 
field, something I'm thankful that I got into even before I knew. And like you said, some people are into birding without knowing that's why they're into birding. I was like that for like a decade. And I think maybe on some level, I thought uh, it was assisting with my depression and anxiety that I had been diagnosed with without really thinking too deeply about it. Mine is more in, inattentive, not hyperactive. Um, therapy and possibly medication if you need it and all of these extra things like birding that we do. But it, it certainly has blocked the use of a lot of my brain. Um, which is where I get my word loss and memory problems and inability to learn new things. And it had really affected my birding. And that was really starting to depress me because I felt frustrated when I go birding and be like, I know that bird. I know that song. Why can't I recall it? Um, and I think that's part of also why I returned to the more mindful birding is because it was it was giving me the permission. And I, I really do talk about this a lot with Bird or Brain, that you don't have to know how to identify birds or bird song to be a birder. If you like being around birds, looking for birds, watching birds, then I'm happy to call you a birder. Because mm -hmm. I think if if anybody's finding joy with birds, then they're a birder. And we should be stressing the the ID thing so much. It's not so easy for everybody, you know? Like I, I can identify quite a lot of birds and I've seen a lot of birds, um, but not everybody has. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we should put that pressure on them to enjoy it because a lot of people have dropped out of birding because of birders they've met. And one of the things I've enjoyed a lot about uh, knowledge, I still remember and keep in mind whenever I'm birding that in January of 2012, I knew nothing. And everybody I ran into that. And yeah. uh, <clears throat> I find that give back to, and that's why now I'm starting to like leading walks. Uh, at Together, we can find that together. And it's nice to just, yeah, just birds they've never seen before, especially when someone is brand new. And I've helped people who were brand new birders start finding life birds who've now surpassed me in the amount of birds they can find or that they've seen and they can identify. It's pretty impressive. Ice because they're younger than me and their brain still works. And well, <laughs> yes, you know, I, I will admit that some of these young birders from some of them from 15 to 21. Yeah there's this little bit of in it but it's this i hate them you know <laughs> i love it i, love I mean I, I really love it but it's like i hate yeah. that they are so good and i'm i've been doing this for so long and i'm not that good and i and but every one of them i'm like i can learn from you i feel like i'm like a birding mom sometimes like i feel like a proud mom sometimes of these kids that are out birding and i can remember when some of them were starting out and they would message me and ask for ID help. And now I'd be hard pressed for them. Like from, I'd probably be messaging them and asking for ID help at this point. So it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And I, <laughs> and, and I think the, uh, the message here is that if you want to be a chaser and you get joy out of mm. running around your community or the province or the country, or even North America chasing rare birds, and that gives you joy, without de making you depressed over missing the birds, then, and we all have that. Yeah. Uh, uh, we all have our regrets about the <laughs> bird we drove five hours to not see. Yep. Uh, then that is what you have to do. And don't let anybody tell you you can't be a lister. There are people yeah. who yeah. Uh, are with a sort of condescending, condescending tone. tone, and that's not true. Listing is 
brain therapy for some people. I had this conversation with one of our mutual friends too, who's a younger burger, who's also very accomplished. It gives him dopamine to see these rarities and mm -hmm. chase birds. And I'm like, go for it. I'm like, all I ask is that people also take the time to bird in the other way. Mm -hmm. Take the time to go watch bird behavior, take into something that's a little bit more calming. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things that uh, uh, Birder, we all know in Ontario, Gene Iron taught mm -hmm. me on January 12, 2012, when I was barely into birding, uh, I went to see my very first um, king eider, male king eider, which if you've ever never seen a male king eider, they're just the most beautiful bird. But I was just so new to it, and all I was interested in is ticking off birds. I looked at it, and Jean even let me look at it through her scope. Uh, and that's how to each other everywhere, and we know each other, which is fantastic. But I was about to kind of move, move off, and she said, well, aren't you going to stay and study it? <laughs> and that uh, it, yeah. that never occurred to me, and that is one thing that, I will always, even if I focused on getting off to the next location, that is something I will always make myself take five minutes even and just in, look at and enjoy the bird. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, sometimes the chasing doesn't allow you that, but uh, it, I think that is very important as well as yeah. part of birding. But again, if that's not how you want to bird, and if whatever you do calms your mind, helps you with whether it's your OCD or your ADHD or you have post-concussion syndrome or traumatic brain injuries, then do that. Let, don't let anybody say that's not the right way to bird. Birding is a personal mm -hmm. journey as health in very different ways. And I just believe birding is unparalleled in what it can bring to people. But like, I love showing it's stuff mm -hmm. like if they're walking by with their parents and I can see they're not birding and I'm looking at an owl I'm going to say have you seen an owl before yeah. and I don't really listen well <laughs> I was um at uh Umber Bay years ago and uh there was a little kid with binoculars I had just come from the pond and had seen a lesser stop which was where in the summer and I said oh are you looking for birds and he said and mom said, yeah, oh, he's, he's, he's very avid now. And I think mother and kid probably didn't know what that was, but they followed me into, you know, a secluded area. <laughs> and uh, I pointed it out and they got to see it. And the mother was so impressed and thrilled that somebody was going to take her eight-year-old kid to see something that he had never seen before. And of course, if I run into someone and go to show them the bird that I'm going back in because it's exciting to go find that bird with someone and help them see it. Like that gives me a lot of joy. So, and I appreciate it when people do that for me. They do it all the time. As so, I was saying to uh, some of the birders who have done big years who have gone out of their way to make sure that someone who is competing with them for the top spot for the big year mm -hmm could see a bird, even if that might mean that they jump one ahead of them or tie them. And that's a good, that's good character. Yeah. And no, I don't think there's any other sport <laughs> where your opponent will help you win. And I don't think all birders are like that, but uh, they're, no, they're probably not, <laughs> but I've been lucky. Enough. In general, I think the, 
you know, I think the the biggest, you know, competition I've viewed in kind of person was last year when you were competing and and a bunch of our friends in Ontario were doing a big mm. year for Ontario. And it was nice to see that camaraderie and how they were helping each other. <laughs> Cause I don't need any, like I call it the burgers exit to my husband. I'm like, if I tell him I'm on my way home, it means I'm going to walk out of the trail now, but that, but that could take I'm me out. I'm going to go back. Well, I would love to thank you uh, for joining me on the podcast. Now that we're uh, official again. We have to stop and talk about stuff that has nothing to do with anything you'd want to listen to. Uh, and We might leave some of that in too. Yeah, we might. Because uh, there, there were some tangents that we went off on, but it speaks to some of the uh, issues that we live with every day that I think people have to, who are embarrassed by them, try to hide it from their family and friends, need to realize that this is just life and it's important to have other people not be upset with us but understand why we are like we are and why we run off to go birding by ourselves for eight hours because of how much it helps us maybe you know come along birding with some of those people in your life and uh why they're so nerdy and geeky uh and uh, you might uh, discover that you can't go anywhere without a pair of binoculars either that's our hope Thank you for helping me educate other people on uh, some of these issues. Where can they find you in the social media Ethernet? On Instagram, I'm at birderbrain.com, and you can find episodes where I've filmed short documentaries about birders and written interviews, and I also share a lot of like tips and hints and things and just really connecting a community. So if you want to join us, we'd be happy to have you. And thank you for having me today. Thank you. And that wraps it up for season one of the Big Year Podcast. So much thanks to Kelly Sue for coming on the show and helping me get the message out to a wider audience that mental health issues need to be talked about and not hidden away. So I hope you enjoyed the episode and learned a little bit about living with issues such as attention deficit hyperactive disorder, OCD, which is obsessive compulsive disorder, post-concussion syndrome, and social anxiety issues. Boy, I think that's the entire entire list of what I have to live with. Birding is such a great way to help deal with some of these issues, and there is no one right way to build. A big thanks to all the birders who made season one possible, especially to Sandy Camito, who generously accepted my invitation to be my first guest. I'll be taking a break for the holidays and the Big Year podcast will return on March 1st, just in time for spring. I I have a, I will have, I have, will I have. <laughs> I, see, unedited is fun. I'll have a new lineup of guests, including Christy Martin and Danny Bernard from British Columbia, Brett Forsyth and Andrew Cubany from right here in Ontario, and Natazza and Gundy Fontaine, who did a Florida Big Year in 2020. As a special bonus, a big congratulations to Natasha for being selected by the American Birding Association as Bird of the Year Artist in 2024. So that should be fun and exciting to talk about. Oh, and one more thing. Beginning in 2024, I will be hosting a whole new show. Who's on first? The podcast 
conversations with players and coaches about their experiences and what they sometimes talk about at first base. I spent over 40 years as video coordinator for the Toronto Blue Jays, and I've been working on this new podcast since I retired from the team in early 2021. So now I'm finally making it a reality. So stay tuned for episode one in January of 2024 with my first guest, Lyle Overbay. Well, that's all, folks. Thanks for listening, and you'll hear me again in 2024. And as always, may the birds be with you.